1: Plushcare.com/slash/weight-loss. Equity
0: mind. I will say this about investing: everything you do learn is cumulative. What well, I learned at twenty is you
1: Welcome to another episode of Equity Made. It's a podcast where we follow our journey in the markets. We break down the world of investing from beginning to dividend so that you can hopefully make some returns. My name is Bryce and as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How's it going, bro?
0: I'm very good, Bryce. Ready to take another look at our hypothetical portfolio in this episode. Yes,
1: it is that time of the month where we dust off the Excel spreadsheets. Dust off the analytical frameworks and uh, add to the Equity Mates hypothetical portfolio, both core and satellite that we've been building over the last few months. So, this episode, we're going to hear a stock pitch from you, Ren, and uh, then I'm going to be doing a quick fire stock pitch to you, given that we have about 16,000 sitting in the bank that we should do something with considering interest rates at the moment are next to nothing.
0: (laughs) So firstly, for people who are new to the show, welcome. You've picked a great episode to come join our journey of investing and learning to invest. But to introduce what we're doing here, we are running a hypothetical portfolio to, I guess, apply a lot of what we've learned in the last three and a half years, last four years, and you know, to talk about some individual stocks and some individual ETFs. And the second thing in that vein, just a reminder for everyone, as we always say, this is not a recommendation by any stretch of the imagination. It is purely us trying to get a little bit more practical and to try and, you know, apply what we've learned to real stocks and real companies. But always do your own research, always make your own decisions. We are not experts. We're not financial advisors. We've got to just make that very clear from the jump.
1: Nice. So core portfolio, Ren, the rules were that we had a grand or two to spend each month on that so that we could just demonstrate the idea of consistently putting money into a portfolio made up of ETFs. Last month, October, we increased positions in A200, which was an Australian equities ETF by BetaShares. And we also put money into VEQ, which is the Vanguard FTSE Europe shares. So that leaves a number of options still in the core portfolio for this month. We've got the US equity we've got Asia, and then we start going into property infrastructure and gold.
0: I'm going to just try and make a rule on the fly here without speaking to you about it before. But I think the principle of a core portfolio is all about dollar cost averaging, regardless of what's going on. And so I don't think us having a conversation and deciding which ETFs we're going to dollar cost average into in a particular month is really in keeping with what dollar cost averaging is all about. Dollar cost averaging is about-
1: well, That's exactly take, what we did last take,
0: month. I know, I know. But it's about <laughs> taking the, the human judgment out of the, the process and automating the process. And so I think what we should do, if you'll allow it, is we just say, if we've got a $1,000 every month to put in a core portfolio, we just go down the list.
1: Sure, that was the suggestion last month, but we didn't do oh, okay, it. Okay,
0: <laughs> okay. Well, let's just do let's just do that, and potentially on the portfolio page of the website, which we know needs a little bit of work, but we should just put a rules based approach there and just follow it.
1: Sure. So this week we have VTS, which is U.S. equities, and Asia VAE, which is the Vanguard Asian X Japan shares. So that leaves the satellite portfolio. Ren, you're coming in hot with a pitch. Just to remind everybody, currently we have. Magellan Financial Group, Citadel, which was a pitch from Ben, which was awesome, Atomo Diagnostics, which was also a listener pitch from Ewan, and then we had the Viva Leisure stock pitch from Daniel as well. So we've got four stocks in there, Ren, now it's time to add some more.
0: Yeah, let's do it. I love it how you've positioned this as I'm pitching stocks and somehow you're not, whereas... Yeah, I'm also ga- going to pitch. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So I have two companies that I've been looking at recently that I'm happy to talk about both if you'll allow it.
1: Sure. I mean, you will probably talk for two hours. Uh, So (laughs) I think just keep it to one. And you can put one on the watch list?
0: I'm going to talk about two and you can decide which one goes in. Sure. Okay. Do you want me to start with an Australian one or an American one?
1: Go US.
0: Okay. So the theme of both of these stocks is unloved. Yeah. I'm theming my stock pitches <laughs> now.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: But there's a company that is in an industry that's incredibly unloved, but I think is, is quite interesting. And that's the New York Times. So traded on the New York Stock Exchange with the ticker NYT and... And I guess as a bit of a preamble, we all know the situation that newspapers are in at the moment. You know, it's a tough business. News Corp, the Australian giant is struggling. Fairfax got bought by nine. And the New York Times was in a similar situation. So as advertising dried up, the print newspapers suffered. In the US, industry ad revenue peaked around $50 billion and it's now $15 billion. So a big drop off. That was mirrored in the circulation drop off. So print newspaper circulation peaked at around 60 million and now it's below 30 million. Across most Western countries, across most of the world, a lot of print newspapers have shuttered. Warren Buffett, once a famous newspaper investor, threw in the towel and divested from his newspaper holdings. And the New York Times specifically has also suffered. So their ad revenue and their print circulation more than halved. And at about 2010, they were in about a billion dollars of debt. And during the JFC, there was questions whether they could even pay their interest bill on their debt. And people were talking about, can we imagine a world without the New York Times? So that was the narrative around the newspaper business and around the New York Times in particular. But what the New York Times has done in the last 10 years, I think, is pretty phenomenal and has really set them up for the future. And specifically, what they've done is turn themselves from a print newspaper business to a digital content business. And they have really disrupted themselves. So in 2010, they were in a lot of debt because. They had made a string of bad acquisitions and taken out debt to do it. They've divested of most, if not all, of those acquisitions. They've paid off all their debt and they now have an extremely strong balance sheet. But probably more interesting is that they've decided that they're going to be distribution agnostic, I guess. They're not going to worry about how people read their news. They're just going to produce quality content and distribute it however they need to. So they've really doubled down on digital. In 2014, they released, I guess, an internal report that was basically just savaging themselves in terms of their tech, and they really disrupted themselves, and they're a business that has changed with the times, pun intended. (laughs) (laughs) So as part of this transformation, they've really focused on growing digital subscriptions, At the peak of their print era, they had 1.6 million subscribers for their physical newspaper. They've just announced they have over 7 million digital subscribers. So their subscriber base is a lot bigger. But for me, the really interesting thing is the unit economics of digital is very different to the unit economics of print. And with print, as your subscribers increase, your distribution costs increase. You've got to print more papers. You've got to deliver more papers. And so the cost scale with your revenue. But the beauty of these digital businesses and what the New York Times is trying to turn itself into is that the costs remain fixed and then the distribution is, you know, next to nothing because it's all digital. And so for me, that creates a really interesting tipping point if the New York Times can keep growing their digital subscribers and keep growing their content because the unit economics are just so much better. So the question then becomes like, if we need to stop thinking about them as a print business and start thinking about them as a digital content business, a la, you know, Netflix or something like that, is the content actually good? Is is the content defensible? Do the New York Times have a moat that is going to be meaningful, you know, 5, 10, 15 years down the line? And more and more, I'm coming around to the answer being yes. And the reason is that while a lot of businesses and a lot of news businesses in particular are really cutting costs and in particular cutting journalist numbers. The New York Times have taken a philosophy where their core product is journalism and they're going to invest everything they can in journalism and that's going to be their sort of moat compared to the rest of the industry. And to put some numbers to it, so while the total number of journalists employed across America has fallen massively over the last two decades... The New York Times has actually increased the number of journalists. In 2010, they had 1,200. In 2020, they have 1,750. But more importantly, they're investing in the quality of each of those journalists. So just the average reporter salary in the US, 42 grand. The average starting salary for a New York Times journalist, 104 grand. Wow. So they are just trying to poach all the best journalists from all the best newspapers and be the best news producer in the world, with the best journalists. They already have won the most Pulitzer Prizes, but they're going to keep trying to just produce the best quality news. At the same time, they're doubling down on tech. And the list of tech talent they've poached from Facebook, Google, all of that is, is pretty astounding, because they say their future is a tech play in a content business. And to give you an idea of just how disruptive they're being internally... In 2012, they had 400 people employed in the advertising department. By 2015, the company had fired or they would turned over 85% of those heads, replacing them with people with more data and digital skills. They're internally reinventing their business. And so the question becomes like, does this actually create a sustainable moat? And I think it does because there becomes a flywheel for a lot of these content businesses. So the New York Times is really investing in Great journalists and trying to really separate themselves from their competitors with the best journalistic talent, which then leads to better reporting, which then leads to more readers because people want to read that reporting, which then leads to more subscribers and more revenue, which then le- allows them to reinvest in better journalism. And so, one way that this whole news disruption could play out is that while a lot of their competitors, you look at what News Corp are doing, are cutting costs and cutting journalism numbers and shuttering underperforming papers because they can't get the readership and they need to find a way to stay profitable. The New York Times may have cracked this and may be able to create this virtuous cycle where they can continue to create better and better reporting and really separate themselves from their competitors. And in doing so, they could become a very strong digital content business in the likes of Netflix, but whereas Netflix is producing TV and movies, the New York Times digital content that we're talking about is news and is reporting.
1: That's my thesis. Nice. Do they do anything other than written in their paid offer? I'm not a subscriber. I'm just looking here, though. It's a dollar a week. Not bad.
0: It's not bad. And so, like, there's there's growth opportunities. Like, they're they're opening bureaus overseas. So, mm. they've opened an Australian bureau. They've opened a couple of other bureaus in other countries and look they they mainly do written news they do some video they've obviously moved into podcasting in a big way the daily is probably one of the biggest podcasts yeah. in the world and that's what i quite like that they're channel agnostic they don't care how their news is digested they just want to do the best reporting and distribute it however they can and i think the new york times are doing that really well i think vox i don't know if you're familiar with them yeah they're doing that really well as well they're you know just doing reporting and then finding as many ways as possible to distribute it, podcasting, documentaries with Netflix, all this stuff. And I think that's the future of these news organizations to see themselves as reporting as their core product and then being distribution agnostic. So, yeah, they trade at a expensive PA at the moment, the New York Times. But I think as with a lot of these digital content. I mean, it's, it's relative though. Yeah, as with a lot of these digital content businesses, there becomes a tipping point where your revenue is more than all your fixed costs, and then Mm. your operating leverage becomes really quite special. And and all that means is really that because your costs aren't scaling, but your revenue is growing, all of that incremental revenue starts, well, a majority of that incremental revenue starts flowing to your bottom line. Mm. So, you know, Microsoft is a classic example of a company with unbelievable operating leverage where... I think it's now like 70 cents on the dollar of revenue flows down to their profit. Wow. Not saying that New York Times will get there, but I think the turnaround that they've done, the balance sheet that they've built, and the opportunity they have to really be different to anyone else in their field is quite interesting. Nice. Now, I say this in the full knowledge that there's a lot of free news out there and a lot of consumers aren't willing to pay for news and that, You know, Facebook and Google continue to suck up all the advertising spend. And so there's a lot of reasons why this wouldn't work and this wouldn't be a good investment. But I find the business story really compelling. Well, that was
1: going to be kind of my next question, and I don't expect you to have an answer, but you've said they've gone from one and a half million to seven million subscribers with the turnaround that they've done. I wonder what their sort of utopia is, what they consider their addressable market, given how much free news is out there, given how a lot of our generation turn to the likes of social media to actually access their news. And I would be interested to know, I guess, the demographic breakdown of that seven million.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I also I am also acutely aware that news has just had four years of of an unbelievable tailwind in terms of one uh, American president (laughs) who just made people desperate to read as much news as possible. Mm. So the New York Times reported their quarterly numbers recently and reported over 7 million digital subscriber numbers. If we put this in the portfolio, I'd be watching this like a hawk to see the next maybe like three or four quarters. Can they hold that? Or does it start dropping away? Because if people are like, Trump's out, we can all relax. I'm going to stop paying for news then all of a sudden maybe this thesis falls away and it was just uh, the New York Times looked really good when Trump was in power. <laughs> <laughs> it's also
1: like how do you think about this business in terms of who its competitors are now? If if it is, as you say, becoming much more of a digital content business, then you start competing with the likes of Vice and you know, all of those businesses that perhaps... And the, and I guess analysts look at the metrics and will be comparing their growth versus New York Times growth versus Netflix growth. I'm yeah, not sure yeah, yeah. what bucket we'll
0: be we, we like, put in. I feel like Vice isn't the best example because Vice has really fallen away. News Corp bought it and it's... Oh, has it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not great. There you um, go. But I know what you're saying. There's a lot of digital players with lower cost base. And this is the problem with the legacy print media businesses is that they try and turn into digital businesses but they operate off such a higher cost base Mm. that they struggle to compete, yeah, with, I guess, the Vices or the voxes of the world. But I think quality is going to be really important in what separates them. And, you know, if... The New York Times is getting this superstar lineup of journalism, and if they're pulling in all these Pulitzers and doing all this really quality reporting, I think that's how they separate themselves from the competition, even if they do have a higher cost base.
1: Mm. Well, Renaissance Technologies is one of the largest shareholders, so he must be doing something right. (laughs) (laughs) Nice, Ren. Well, uh, before we... Did you want to do another one, or...?
0: Well, I was, I was pretty uncertain about this. And, like, I know my track record of pitching stocks on this show is not great. Um, so I was going to hedge my bets, no, if no, you will. No, no hedging, no hedging.
1: I like the story behind it, the transformation that they've gone through. It's hard to know where their peak is going to be. And where they you know, in 10 years time, am I going to be paying for the New York Times? Like I don't pay for it. Is is that just because it's an American newspaper at this stage? I don't know. Like,
0: Yeah, yeah. It's a good question. I, I, I probably not. I know one of my housemates has just signed up and okay. is paying for the New York Times. And so maybe, maybe that's one scenario that plays out. I mean, there's an argument to make that news continues to get more centralized, you know, like we've gone from local papers to state-based, you know, like the the Sydney Morning Heralds and the ages of the world to national media. And that was really TV filled a lot of that. And now like potentially the fact that we all really just care about what's happening in the US politics more Mm -hmm. than we do Australian politics, potentially you can start making an argument that things are becoming more globalized. And potentially, the Times has an opportunity there I don't actually think that's that's probably the thesis. I just think they can be an incredibly strong American content player
1: all right I'm not going to argue with too much of your thesis. I think it uh it makes sense.
0: The thing is, if I was assigning probabilities to this, I would be assigning you know massive probability to them blowing the lights out, but
1: it's yeah, just, I mean, if you look at the stock price, it's not something that we expect. Well, I don't anticipate you expect this to be sort of 10 bagging over no, the next. No, no, <laughs> no. Yeah, this no. is just going to be a slow, slowly tick away if it can continue with the with the growth that it's been having and with, yeah. the, with the, I guess, execute on its strategic plans. So let's do it.
0: Yeah, all right.
1: I'll lock it in. So uh, it's currently trading at, and we are recording this on Friday the 13th of November. Uh-oh. <laughs> um <laughs> it's currently trading at 38.83 so that's the price that we're going to be throwing it into uh the portfolio and we'll put out a social to update everyone and where the portfolio is at so nice one Ren. i recall you actually sent out uh, something that backed this all up in thought starters yeah, is that right?
0: Yeah, yeah, So this this has been, I mean, there's a long backstory to this. The reason that they piqued my interest was when the, do you remember the whole Google and Facebook policy around the Australian government making yeah. them pay News Corp and Fairfax for news? Mm-hmm. That annoyed me a little bit. And if people want to understand my annoyance, I actually posted something on the Mates website about that because really I think the need for the policy is more born out of poor management of News Corp and Fairfax mm-hmm. than it is anything else. And so then I started looking at other media businesses that were doing better. And that sort of led me to the New York Times. And then there was actually a, like a 150 page slide deck that really spelled this out that I sent out with Thought Starters. Maybe in, in lieu of me writing a thesis, I'll just post that slide deck on our website.
1: Yeah, nice.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But I think it it really does sum up what I'm talking about here. And, you know, it's just a fascinating business story. You know, businesses that are able to disrupt themselves in the face of changing technology and changing consumer preferences are good businesses. Mm -hmm. And I think anyone working at News Corp or Nine Newspapers can maybe look to the New York Times.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. So we'll add that in, Ren. Good pitch. Loved it. So we'll keep your second one on ice for now. But if you want to make uh, a mention of the name, just so we can record that it's uh, on the watch list and we can add it into the watch list.
0: Sure. So in keeping with the theme of unloved or underloved, um, my second pitch was going to be an LIC, an listed investment company, an asset class that Bryce hates. (laughs) But this particular LIC, I find quite interesting it's Bailador Technology Investments, ASX sticker, BTI. We've interviewed Paul Wilson on the show before and we actually have him coming up again. But the reason that I like them is they're investing in mainly software as a service businesses, Australian software as a service businesses. They And so that that sector is very interesting. Some of the businesses that they hold are world beaters in their own right. One in particular, SiteMinder, is a really compelling business. I think if it was publicly traded based on some of its metrics around like revenue and customer base and stuff like that it would be the third largest australian software as a service business in its own right two reasons that i like bayle all one it trades at a discount like a lot of listed investment companies but it trades at a discount even though it's incredibly conservative in the valuations that it holds its investments at and so it's almost already building in a discount and then it trades at a discount so there's a lot of value there, but that value is meaningless unless there's a realization of that value for investors. And so that leads me to the second reason that I like it, which is a lot of its businesses are becoming quite mature. And so it's likely that there may be some catalysts in the form of IPOs in the coming years. Sightminder, Lendy, and a few other businesses are probably nearing that stage. And so, you know, Julia Lee always talks about what's the catalyst for a stock, and it feels like some of those IPOs... Maybe catalyst for a re-rating of the LIC and the discount that it trades at.
1: Nice. So that was a semi-pitch.
0: I snuck it in there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN.
1: Okay, cool. So we'll add that to the watch list. Take a note that we've added that on the 13th of October. So, Ren... I don't necessarily have a specific stock pitch, but I've got an idea that I think we should execute on. You know, given that we've got about 16,000 sitting in cash at the moment, and, you know, we always harp on about it's probably not the best idea with a long-term view for us to be having a whole bunch of cash sitting in a bank account. I think that rather than beat around the bush and add a stock at a month, there's a, probably an opportunity for us just to do a mass purchase of a number of the big hitters that we nice. I you know, like it. always want in the like in the it. portfolio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The stocks aren't really going to require a thesis because...
0: <laughs> you always find a way to get out of no, the thesis. But, I mean,
1: okay, so what, you want me to say alphabet and give you the thesis yeah, for yeah, why?
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, what I think there's probably, you know, there's 10 or 12 stocks that we could go through and we probably should at least choose seven or eight sure. to yeah, put on I like the it. list. I like it. So, I mean... To kick it off, would you be adverse to putting excluding any of the following? Obviously, <laughs> okay. alphabet. Put it in. Amazon. Yep. Apple.
0: Ah, uh, Apple is a funny one. Okay. Nah, put it in. Put it in.
1: Why? Why do you think funny one?
0: Well, it feels like its phone business isn't actually doing that well in no, terms it's not. of growing. Yeah, it's not. Its services business is growing, but it's coming off a small base. It hasn't really innovated except for the bloody AirPods that another one of my housemates can't get enough of. (laughs) Yes. Um, But it's a massive company with a fortress balance sheet, so much cash.
1: It's the largest company in the world.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. It's a funny one. It feels like there's more downside than upside there.
1: Yeah, I mean... I mean, they've just got so much opportunity though with so much money on their balance sheet. I can't remember what it is, about 200 billion or something like that. Something like that, Something ridiculous.
0: Yeah, chuck
1: it in, chuck it in. Chuck it in, okay. So he went Amazon, Alphabet, Apple. The most
0: laissez-faire investment committee ever. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, chuck it in.
1: (laughs) Microsoft. Microsoft definitely, love Microsoft. Given. Now, let's also think about the... I'm not too keen on Netflix to be honest.
0: Netflix or Facebook are a no for me.
1: Yeah, uh, oh, Facebook, no.
0: Yeah, I think so. I mean, do you just like anecdotally? How much do you use Facebook now?
1: Yeah, I mean, this has always been an argument. For many years for us, but I think given that they own Instagram...
0: I agree, but I think... Well, you know, I'm a... I'm a and, uh, what, and what's I'm that? a TikTok fan. Yeah. Uh, um, at some point, social media companies get disrupted. And I feel like in terms of like the growth v disruption potential and balancing those two things... Yeah, I didn't think we we're anywhere near that look, for those companies. I'm, yet, a, I'm a bad example because outside of the equity mate socials, which I love, yeah. I hate social media. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. And I mean... Yeah, I just see, still see so many of our friends and whatnot using both of them religiously. Yeah, that yeah, it's... Yeah.
0: Well, as someone who has five posts on his personal <laughs> Instagram. <laughs> yeah,
1: can't really speak from experience. But, um... but
0: then the WhatsApp one is interesting. So WhatsApp not really monetized at this point, although they are starting to do some interesting things around payments. I'm pretty sure they just enabled payments through WhatsApp in India. And so, like, that could be an interesting business opportunity. But I just feel Facebook, like, the chance of them being heavily regulated and the fact that their Facebook, I feel, is getting out of favor.
1: Okay, we can put Facebook on ice. That's fine. So, Facebook and Netflix on ice. What about uh, Spotify? I think that's a good one. We need to put Spotify on. I imagine some pretty big things coming with video. Yeah. Yeah, Uh Yeah, I reckon. Interesting. TBC. Wow. Heard it here first.
0: Yeah, I did. I would have thought that they want to be the audio, like just own audio.
1: You'd hope so. Given (laughs) I am keen to throw on Walmart. Sure. And I'm also keen to throw on, I know you will be, is uh, Home Depot.
0: Should we just move to America? Is that where this is going? (laughs) Yeah, I know. (laughs) Home Depot. What about West Farmers? Bunnings? They did do very well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They
1: did do very well. Now that they don't have the chain... which was Coles, I'm happy to put, uh, Where's <laughs> no, nah, actually, I don't want to put Where's Farners.
0: Sure, okay, you only want to put American stock.
1: No, if we want to do Australia and we want to be a bit strategic about it, do we want to try and back in some shorter-term recovery stocks yeah, that have been oversold? Yeah, I was thinking that, like,
0: what, Qantas or Sydney Airport or something?
1: Yeah, I would probably rather go Sydney Airport over Qantas. It's yeah. just a bit more of a hedge. On... On broader recovery rather than just on one company. Sure. As well as probably some REITs, but I don't have a specific REIT in mind. Okay. So are we going to go with Sydney Airport?
0: I mean, the thing is...
1: I'm just not sold on this recovery yet.
0: Yeah. The other option is like, do we say, all right, well, where are the companies poised to benefit from the recovery, but also have, you know, good tech tailwinds? And is it like a Webjet or something that's the... It's a Disney. (laughs) 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 What? (laughs) <laughs> they open up all of their, theme, their parks theme parks
1: again they've got good tech <laughs> no i'm not keen on disney do you
0: own disney i we, do yeah we both own disney yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah
1: another one that i'm i am keen on and i mentioned this to you before the show and you weren't so is palantir technologies mm. so for those who are unaware this is uh one of the big data analytics companies backed by peter Thiel yeah. or owned by peter Thiel. started co-founded co-founded recently IPO'd and they do a whole, we've spoken about it on the show before, they do a whole bunch of stuff with uh, government and CIA and all sorts of things. And I think we spoke about it from an ethical point of view yeah. at some stage. Look, I think the the industry that it's in, you talk about finding the sort of growth industries, the industries in, is in ticks the box for me. And I guess who they deal with in terms of contracts and the ability to, to sell their product, I think is appealing. And what's your reasoning for not being so keen on it?
0: I've read a lot about how their technology may that they may not actually just have a lot of good technology and it's like they're really a data analytics play like that's what palantir are they're like we will take complicated data sets and you know help uh the cia or help us special forces or you know police departments better visualize that data and then better be able to form actionable insights out of data There's no disputing that they have helped do that. One of their most famous case studies is they actually embedded Palantir engineers with US Special Forces in Iraq or Afghanistan and did a whole bunch of visualisation around like IEDs, like roadside bombs, and helped them massively reduce the number of casualties, US soldiers dying from these explosions. The question, though, is this technology scalable? Is it something where they've got a technology and they can go... What they've built in, you know, these major contracts, can they go to like every company and every government agency and say, look, we've built this, this will help you? Or is it that every time they get a new contract, they need to build a bespoke program and software set or do they need to change their software every time to deal with the intricacies of that organization's data? Because if that's the case, then it's not really scalable and the unit economics aren't as nice. So for me, Palantir is an interesting one because I've obviously got a reputation, but I've read some things that make you question what they're going to be able to do longer term. Are they like a software business or are they like a consultant? I guess is really the
1: question. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, but let's park you know it. What? Let's park it and do some more research. Maybe I'll come back with yeah, a, a deeper pitch. pitch. Yeah, 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 I'll do that. Okay. So I'm interested cent.
0: Yeah.
1: Cool. And also... Do we want to go down the gaming route, Activision, Blizzard for example? I don't mind it. Get involved in that space. And then do you have anything that will cover I know we've got Cloud in terms of AWS, but do we want to cover anything in the sort of cybersecurity space maybe in an Adobe or Palo, what's it what is it? Palo Alto. Palo Alto
0: Networks. I don't think I know enough about cybersecurity to name a particular company. Neither. So I'm going to... Let's let's
1: park that idea and put some more thought into it um, so that we're not just spraying and praying everything. (laughs) (laughs) I think the key here is that all of the companies that we've spoken about both you and I have been following for a number of years, done a lot of reading on and are pretty confident that these are going to be here to stay. I wouldn't suggest this be the strategy if you've just started <laughs> out where you yeah, just yeah, yeah. We, throw out stock we, names. We, and uh,
0: <laughs> We introduced this whole segment with <laughs> we want to try and apply what we've learned and you know get better at analyzing companies and get really practical and then we just bloody... <laughs> name companies that we've heard of. <laughs> so we've got big tech we've got some big box retail what we don't have is really any speckies or anything like that so i'm gonna say next month
1: i've got a specy. do you yeah yeah next month yeah
0: i'm gonna say next month we we each have to come with a specy.
1: i mean i don't want to go too specky. like i'm not talking like a 50 million market cap no, no, no.
0: okay what about under a bill
1: under a bill, but over like a, at least $100 hundred. Oh, it can whatever you want, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, okay, we're talking. All right, sure, sure. We'll um.
0: I mean, yeah, I, we need to really nail down what our philosophy is here.
1: <laughs> well, as we said at the start, there is no philosophy. It's
0: true, true. Unconstrained.
1: Unconstrained.
0: I think putting some of these big tech players and stuff makes sense. Like you and I both in our personal portfolios have a lot of these names. I imagine most listeners have ndq or a fang etf Mm. or something and there's a reason for that though these companies are eating the world so yeah i think it was a timely decision to put something like that in so ren let
1: me just recap on what we have put in uh yeah
0: i love it how you were like you can only pitch one stock but somehow you've pitched like i don't know eight (laughs) (laughs) so we do are you gonna do a write-up for all eight
1: shit I'm just looking now, we've actually got 17 grand on hand. So we've got Amazon, Apple, Alphabet, Microsoft, bang, Spotify, Walmart, Home Depot, Sydney Airport, Tencent and Activision. So that's 10 stocks,
0: 10 grand if we want. Sure. I love it how everyone in the media is saying like, now's the time to rotate out of tech and go into the cyclicals, Cyclicals. invest in the recovery. You know, like the mining stocks, the travel stocks, the industrials, they're the stocks to buy. And we're just bucking the trend. Yeah. I think from my perspective, we're not trying to invest for a quarter. No. All of those names that you mentioned have long-term defendable moats and- You know, if we ask the question, will these companies be around in 20 years? Will their competitive advantage endure for 20 years? Do they have opportunity set or an addressable market that gives them the opportunity to be bigger than they are now in 20 years? I think the answer for all of those companies, for all three is yes. Hmm. Sydney Hmm. Airport is maybe the only one that, you know, depending on what a second airport does and stuff like that. But, you know, they're not going anywhere.
1: I was thinking about recovery, and then that brings me to thinking about oil. And I was interested to know how the big hedge funds in the States are playing this. And you can look on Yahoo as 30 most bought stocks by hedge funds in the last quarter. Yeah. And uh, there is an oil company in there called Petrobras, which is... It's actually the fourth most bought stock. It's the largest... Well, it is a state-owned Brazilian multinational corporation in um, the petrol industry. I mean, it just churns out barrels and barrels of oil, 2.7 million or 2 million barrels a day. It does $76 billion in revenue a year. I'm not suggesting put it in, but I'm just kind of saying that if you do want to think about recovery, Andrew Brown's spoken about oil, I'm I'm interested that uh, the hedge funds do have that play in there. So...
0: I don't want to put a Brazilian state-owned oil company that has brought down at least one Brazilian leader through a corruption scandal and... Left them with an awful one at the the moment. The Brazilian political situation is probably not something that you want to be jumping headlong into at the moment. That's going to be a no from me. That's fair. One more name that I'm going to throw out there in in terms of this Bryce Lesky fast and loose, just throw names out there vibe. Mineral Resources, ASX ticket M-I-N.
1: Okay, that's uh, been buzzing around for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the, the thesis?
0: The management of this company apparently is just unbelievable. It's, it's been an incredible growth story. The TDM guys, when they pitched, actually, this is going to intersect a few different themes from Mates. So the TDM growth partners at the Hearts and Minds conference last year, they pitched Spotify, but they made mention of Mineral Resources When we spoke to the guys from Lanyon, they spoke about mineral resources as an unbelievable company. If we're talking about investing in management, that, no, well, that, but also the pivot away from tech towards, you know, mining, cyclicals, you know, the recovery stocks, maybe this is a way to play that theme. Yeah, nice. Okay, well, jeez, we're being fast and loose. Here. <laughs> yeah, let's feel, call it. I, let's feel call like, it there. I feel like in one episode <laughs> we've undone four years of hard work about do your own research. No, but I think we made the point <laughs> that we know
1: these companies. It's not like we're throwing in, but we will come in the new year or before we close out this year with a actually. Couple of you speckers. know
0: what? You know what? Because because we don't, we're not familiar, as familiar as we should be with mineral resources. Put it on the put it on the watch. I have. List. I have. Yeah. 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 I, haven't
1: yeah. Pu- I haven't put it in. So Ren. There is another asset that I would love to put yes, in that, des- yeah. that deserves <laughs> also a thesis. And I'm n- so this will be going on the watch list, but I just want to make note of it now, given that we're probably not going to talk until another month or so. I would love to discuss putting Bitcoin in this mix. I know it's uh, controversial, but uh, there are some interesting points of discussion to be had. So, Yeah, um, the fact
0: that it is running like nothing else at the moment.
1: <laughs> yeah, so let's uh, let's just mark that down.
0: I'm happy to put it in. As of now. As of now. <laughs> as someone who doesn't believe in it,
1: but but owns it.
0: I own it. I own it because it's a what if I'm wrong? Play. Yeah, yeah, Like yeah. there's so much conviction from people who are a lot smarter than me that I've got a small holding in it just because. You wow, know, what yeah. if I'm wrong?
1: Yeah, fair. I oh, will certainly come next episode with some more concrete reasons as to why I think it's worth keeping in the portfolio if we are adding it now.
0: Well, up to you. You're more of a Bitcoin believer than I am, so your call. A watch list or portfolio? It's going in. Okay.
1: <laughs> Small position. All right, Ren. Well, we will um, update all of that and uh, put it up on our socials. It is not available on the website at the moment. Few technical uh, difficulties, but yeah, it will yeah, yeah, come yeah. available <laughs> soon. So we'll make sure the everyone. We, the
0: website is an iterative process. <laughs> yeah, <it's laughs> just a slow like, burn. Just like the New York Times took 10 years to turn their tech around. Uh, that's the timeline we're looking at our, our tech around. We're, we're
1: disrupting ourselves. <laughs> (laughs) and uh, going large on the website in the new year. So stay tuned for that. But uh, for now, we will endeavor to put all of this online. If you would like to make a stock pitch and add it to the portfolio, please, we would love to hear from you. Hit us up on our socials or through email and we'd love to get you on the show. We've had three awesome pitches already and they're performing very well in the portfolio. In fact, uh, they're driving most of the returns. Well, three of the four stocks have been community pitches, anyway. But looking forward to closing this out to for the Christmas break, Ren, and uh, hopefully Santa's, uh, what do they call it? The Santa Rally. Santa Rally, pushes yeah. All pushes all of these stocks up. Sell and
0: May go away, the Santa <laughs> yeah. Rally. All of these things that are like in year, very yeah. short term. Yeah. Just before we sign off, should we see how Salesforce has gone? Because you pitched it. We didn't put it in the portfolio.
1: True, but can we remember when I pitched it? I I think it's pretty flat, to be honest. Let's have a look.
0: You pitched it on the 14th of September. From there, it is, yeah, it's flat. It's up 1% okay not bad not, not bad. bad Not
1: bad. i do recall it yeah it did have a massive jump and that's why i was a bit reluctant but anyway it didn't make it ren and that's the beauty of democracy <laughs> 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 didn't get the votes uh, look and if you do have uh an issue with any of the stocks that we have put in the portfolio given that it is the equity mates community portfolio again we'd love to hear from you unlikely that we'll make any changes though because <laughs> 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 we're backing in those companies <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nice one all right ren we'll we'll close this out in uh december before our Christmas break as I said but otherwise we'll chat next week. Sounds good. Thanks for listening to Equity Mates Investing Podcast, a production of Equity Mates Media. Please remember that everything you hear in Equity Mates Investing Podcast
0: is general advice only. The content has been prepared without knowing your personal objectives, specific financial circumstances or goals. The host of Equity Mates Investing Podcast may maintain
1: positions in the companies discussed. Before considering any investment, please read the product disclosure statement
0: and consider speaking to a licensed financial professional.